Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now, today we're going to bring you an inside look into the private education business. Now, founded in 1907, ESSEC Business School is a major French business school with a tightly knit community of some 62,000 graduates. Now, within the region, ESSEC Business School APEC was established in Singapore in 2005 to offer academic and executive programs with Asian insights and West. And perspectives. Now, it has since welcomed over 5,000 managers and students. But the question really is, how does the school differentiate itself from other publicly funded institutions? Who are its target customers, and how does it position itself against other players in the education market? Now, meanwhile, ESSEC Business School APEC recently launched its Academy of Luxury to cater to professionals eager to elevate their knowledge and hone skills in luxury management and break into the coveted luxury sector. The program was touted as the first of its kind in APEC and seeks to address the ongoing talent shortage in the luxury sector. But really, to what extent is this shortage driven by a lack in training opportunities? Well, for more, let's speak to Prof. Ritika Gupta, Deputy Dean of ESSEC Business School, Asia Pacific. Prof. Gupta, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tian Tian. Very happy to be here. Great to have you on board with us. And Prof. Gupta, we've briefly touched on this, but appreciate it if you could take us through ESSEC Business School's value proposition, business model. Model and how the APEC operations fits into your wider portfolio. ESSEC has been around as a business school since 1907, but we are fairly new here. So we began our operations uh, in Singapore uh, in 2005, and in about in 2015, we have our own campus here in in One North, and we were invited uh, by the Economic Development Board in 2005, along with other schools as well, and uh, we've been here fairly and you know grown. Uh, strength and strength over the years, uh, in terms of programs, in terms of students, and so on. Um, so that's that's uh, that's our presence here in Singapore. We also have a campus in Morocco, which is our newest campus, uh, which is uh, in Rabat. So ESSEC Business School, at an overall level, actually has three campuses, with the main one being in France, uh, and then in Morocco, and then in uh, in Singapore. Of course, we are surrounded by top-notch universities, local and private. Uh, right here in Singapore and in the region, and what 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 is it that we are known for, or what is it that that makes us attractive? And I would say that uh, the the number one thing being how international we are, uh, the fact that we have presence across three countries, uh, we have a very diverse student body, about forty plus different nationalities across our various programs, which run all the way from undergraduate to executive education, a very diverse faculty body as. Well,、uh, with diverse research expertise and so on,、uh, so I would say the fact that we are so international in nature and that is infused in everything we do in the curriculum, in the learning that the student goes through, say for a BBA over four years.、Uh, we have mobility programs where it is required by the students to be on different campuses.、Mm-hmm. Uh, it is required for the students to to have an a, a work experience or a, or a corporate experience in a different. Part of the world. Another thing I said earlier that we always want to stay relevant.、Uh, we are. 
a school which is constantly uh, watching the market, looking at what the market needs are, what the, you know, in, it could be government mm. uh, determined or not, or private de- determined by the company um, uh, ecosystem uh, around us. And we want to be relevant in terms of the programs that we offer. Mm. And the bigger question is perhaps, uh, Prof, how does ESSEC Business School differentiate itself from the major players, particularly the publicly funded universities? I understand you have that international presence, but it seems like other universities are doing the same as well. Uh, who would you then consider to be your competitors and what is your industry positioning then in terms of pricing or areas of expertise then? So starting with the internationalness of our programs, uh, we are also a highly flexible program. So students, which is fairly rare and that you know I would speak to most conventional universities, is that students can customize their programs. So they can choose to do their internships first, which internship is a very important part of our program. And students, for example, our undergraduate programs Students need to do at least 10 months of of, uh, gathering corporate experience that would occur across the four years, and it's mandatory. Um, So students can choose to do that at different parts of the program, depending on their needs or depending on the industry they want to go into. Another important facet is that students need to be in one of our partner universities, and this is, of course, our undergraduate program, uh, which is our biggest program uh, on on campus here in Singapore. And and we have 170-plus partner universities across the world, uh, and we have to spend six months. So the ability to customize, uh, I think, is is key in our programs. Uh, Also, we are uh, known, it's a school which is uh, tethered around our strategic pillars, pillars, which are enlightening entrepreneurship, uh, which is something that the school has always been known for. Uh, so to, to, to be entrepreneurs while you're in the program, taking those decisions in terms of uncertainty gets them uh, ready and running when they are in the corporate world. So that's an important facet uh, for our students um, in, in the program. We are constantly infusing our course curriculum uh, in terms of sustainability uh, and the challenges, the environmental challenges, mm. societal challenges. And there are specific courses which are geared to getting students, giving students a skill set and the required training to be able to combat those challenges when they are in the real world. And the final one being about a meta lab that's what we call it and it is the understanding how important it is to marry business knowledge with data um, and and understanding that you know business really drives in the intersection of of the social aspect as well as the hard sciences in terms of uh, data um, you, you name it AI um, um, database analytics and so on so so bringing that entire holistic learning into our curriculum and into our program is something that sets us apart. Who would you then consider to be your competitors? And in terms of industry positioning, pricing, areas of expertise, who would you benchmark yourself against? Right. So I, I think uh, to if you if you look at who our competitors are, uh, and I don't think we would limit ourselves to our competitors being uh, just the you know universities which are in in Singapore because we call ourselves uh, an APAC. You know, we are in Asia and based in Asia Pacific. Uh, so really, universities in the region and beyond. So these would be our full suite uh, universities which have the offer everything from undergraduate all the way to executive. Uh, But I think I, I have to insist that uh, the fact that uh, if you do a market analysis, and I think what's it, the customization of our programs that that students can pick their own paths 
um, and, and customize accordingly. Uh, the fact that, you know, we make it mandatory for them to have an international experience. It's just not an offering, but we value how important it is. Another facet that speaks to this is the, the importance of languages. So, for example, in our undergraduate program, it is a requirement for them to learn three foreign languages, one being English and two additional languages. So making these almost like, uh, you know, fixed modules uh, really is, is makes that truly international graduate. So we are really not checking boxes here. We believe in it and we make sure that our program has these different have different components. Hmm. And let's talk a little bit more, uh, Prof, about your target customers, so to speak, or your target segment, right? Given your position in the private education market, who would you then consider to be your main customers or your prospective student base? Are we looking at mostly professionals seeking postgraduate certification? Or as you mentioned, are we looking mostly at undergrads here? Right. Great, Tian So let me answer that question. Like I said, we are a full suite business school offering everything from undergraduate to executive education. Uh, but most of our students actually belong to the un, you know, what we call pre-experience. So undergraduate, master's, specialized master's and so on. Uh, however, and so what we what we are now focusing on post-pandemic, especially in, in Singapore and in the APAC region, is to strengthening those pre-experience offers, as I said, undergraduate. And, and masters and so on. Having said that, uh, there is, as we all know, there is a huge opportunity that lies in the adult education market, specifically executive education. So given some of our strengths, and I can speak to that in a bit, is, is we want to leverage our strengths. We want to be able to fulfill the market needs and 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 be and you know fulfill the market opportunities uh if i may say uh in the executive education space so uh i would say that that the I, where we are right now given we've been here since 2005 is to strengthen our base uh in terms of pre-experience programs as we call them and then but also to leverage and and add value uh to the ecosystem of executive education uh, if I may answer, which is your most lucrative revenue stream uh, or business vertical then? Um, I would say it's 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 a little it's a I would say it is really like I said undergrad. I mean our pre-experience programs are undergraduate and our masters really pull you know is an important part of our portfolio. Uh, but we also want to be uh, as we all know that in Singapore right now short programs and market ready programs are in high demand. So we are we do have a it's, it's so like I said it's strengthening our current programs and and keeping our radar on and being able to uh, you know play a role in in the adult education space. Hmm. And let's take a look at the wider business environment, Prof Gupta. The business research company projected that uh, the market for global colleges, universities and professional schools will grow from around, I believe that's $1.19 trillion in 2022 to $1.28 trillion in 2023. And uh, from 2027, uh, it is expected to grow at a CAGR of 5.7%. Now, the currency is not stated here, but the number does seem huge. Uh, do you agree with this assessment? And what is the uh, growth trajectory looking like for business schools within APEC? 
Right. Um, yes, I think I think business education is is in a rise. I think the uh, the value in business education is something that uh, that 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 caught a lot of attention during the pandemic years. A lot of people value that. But business education in itself has changed. You know, the face of business education. I think business education, if you really look at the trajectory or where it will be, is there is a lot of value to soft skills training. Uh, so so you know, I wouldn't say doing away with with, uh, you know, more fact-based or lecture-based education, but marrying that. So uh, hard skills with the soft skills, I think that's really the need of the day. Um, another important uh, facet that I would say uh, in, 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 in years to come and will be valued is, um, is, is renewing your learning. So coming back to school and renewing the skill set, I think that's a, that's a fairly important uh, trajectory. And then, like I said earlier, uh, that short program, very specific, which is very targeted uh, to, you know, uh, whether it's sustainability or whether it's data sciences and business analytics, uh, whether it's corporate finance. So having very short targeted programs would be where the growth is in business education. Hmm. And I really want to take a look at your product offerings, uh, Prof Gupta. The ESSEC Business School recently launched this uh, Academy of Luxury in APEC, and it's said to be the first of its kind uh, within the region. And uh, just to share a bit more, it offers professional certification in luxury management, which I believe is a short-term experiential uh, program. Take us through the rationale for moving into the luxury space. How much of a talent shortage are we seeing here? Um, that that's I, I think let me let me answer your last question first if I may so just to set the context uh, so the luxury industry is growing at an 8.5 percent CAGR year on year for the next five years that's predicted uh, also if you uh, a recent BCG poll on on executives said that about 60 percent of luxury professionals uh, were concerned about uh, hiring talent in luxury and retaining talent um, in in luxury. So, so uh, in effect, you know, that's something that is um, that is a concern. Um, and, and therefore, we took a deep dive to understand what really is the problem here and, and what, what, where, where are the gaps that we can fulfill and why we, because we have a, a, a rich legacy in luxury. Um, and this is something that ESSEC has been known uh, for a very long time. Uh, we have partnerships with companies like Louis Vuitton, with Cartier, Chanel. We work with all of these companies, L'Oreal, and you name it. So given our rich legacy and rich expertise, really felt that that we can come in here and and play a role in um, in training or or in educating or developing leaders in the luxury space um, so where where we found the gaps to be is that we again like I said earlier that this piece about holistic learning the market segment is changing so a lot of the the target segment is changing to newer younger consumers and and their wants and desires when it comes to luxury is very different. Uh, we are also seeing a trend where people are going beyond the consumption. It is more experiential. So just uh, concentrating or focusing on just the principles of luxury in a very academic format is, um, is pro we probably need to go beyond. So understanding the experiential aspect of luxury, the sensorialness that people are seeking from luxury, we, we need to be able to teach that uh, to participants. So, and of course, storytelling, which you can't get away from when it comes to 
to luxury. So what this academy provides is aspects just not on luxury branding, where we are talking about the academic component, but also the etiquette, the grooming, the communication, and soft skills, but which go with luxury education is what we are bringing to the table uh, for our executive uh, participants. Mm. Don't mind me asking very quickly, what is the batch size we are looking at? How long is the program actually? Uh, so right now uh, we are looking at uh, you know we are, we are we don't of course you know given the components uh, we don't want to look at a very big class size because it needs to be interactive and especially the component modules that we talked about hard and soft skills uh, so we're looking at tentatively to to stabilize the number somewhere around thirty or thirty five so at least in the initial uh, runs and then we we'll see where it goes yes it really depends on the market needs and 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 uh, like I said it holds a great promise and we hope to grow uh, in numbers yes mm, just just pushing it a little bit how much does it cost for a particular uh, course right uh, it really depends on uh, the specific program and the program has you know variations so for this information um, I, I wouldn't want to throw out a number right now but I would say that you know if you go to our ESSEC uh, website you know we have the luxury uh, the link to our luxury program and I think that would be the best way to learn about the program all right and Prof we talked about that talent short earlier. Uh, I know that the market is changing, the target segment in the luxury market is changing, but on the supply side, are we seeing a lack of students willing to enter this field or does the problem lies with the lack of training opportunities then? You know, I would not think so. I think if you look at the numbers for the luxury industry in itself, uh, you know, that's growing. Like I said, it's at an 8.5% CAGR predicted for the next five years. So I feel, um, uh, you know, I, I don't think that there will be that this that this industry uh, is, is ebbing away. I think it's here to stay. And if you just look at uh, just Asia Pacific in general, um, you know, there is a huge traction just in terms of luxury and, and you know, in the economy of you know one of the top you know, on, on the, the the countries in in this region so I, I think it's here to stay I think what is important is to reinvent uh, the the training or the education so that we are developing uh, the business leaders with the right skill set I think what is also important is that luxury brands also work with universities and education uh, uh, you know uh, uh, hubs in some sense uh, to to create that luxury education so I think there's a bit of co-creation which is needed. Like I said, the, the business models of the past need to be recreated because mm. what consumers want from luxury is different uh, um, and, and how luxury is perceived and deemed has changed over the years. Mm. Yes. So which means there's still a sizable portion of talent willing to join this industry, but sure. uh, given the growth, but they are just not you know, trained the right way, trained the new way for the new uh, luxury market. And... To what extent will the opening of the academy provide a key revenue stream for ESSEC Business School looking at the batch size of having 30 or so for the initial rounds? Uh, so I would say I wouldn't, like I just said, 30 would be initial, but we are looking to grow. And absolutely. So we are looking at that being a, a very, very, very concrete and a clear revenue stream. And we want to be able to do more. So uh, right now, um, you know, luxury within luxury, there are many different facets. So if further specializations are required, uh, we will be happy to explore that space. Uh, right now, we are you know, looking at a very different pedagogy, very different content, and, and it's been very uh, well received by the market so we want to see we want to be able to stabilize that for sure for now um, and then try to see if we can create further specialization
organizations. And before we let you go, Prof Gupta, aside from the luxury industry, I know ESSEC is also very focused on the booming fintech sector. Uh, but aside from that, what are your focus areas right now and what are some future plans for the second half of this year? So fintech, you know, um, we are very highly ranked in our master's in finance program. Um, and it's a very coveted program. Uh, so and fintech, it, and it, it, of course, plays a very important role, not just in that program, but also our more generalist programs like master's in management. And we would and we are exploring um, uh, as we speak uh, to look at, you know, what would be more specialized finance uh, content that we can deliver um, and, 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 and again, you know, more at an adult uh, education level. So more executive uh, programs, like I said, more short programs, more direct. So and definitely we are uh, looking to play a very important role in that space. So that's one in terms of a focus, uh, of course, um, and in terms of finance in general. But getting away from that a little bit, uh, something that we also pride ourselves and ESSEC has been known for uh, is our presence, like I said, in the sustainability space and you know, transforming our courses, our curriculum, and so on. Uh, so just to, um, you know, um, highlight that on our Singapore campus, we recently started our Center for Social and Sustainable Impact, um, and, and that's called CSSI, and we got off the ground running, um, you know, some very exciting projects where we've collaborated with some local schools uh, in the entrepreneurship space. Uh, we are also looking at a forthcoming TEDx event uh, on, on, chat, on handling social issues, environmental issues, and so on. We have a fair number of professors on campus uh, who work on these issues. So we hope to, um, you know, drive value uh, in the mm-hmm. spectrum, not through, not only through the programs that we offer, uh, because we have an MS- MSc in sustainability transformation, uh, that's an mm-hmm. ongoing program, uh, but also in terms of the thought leadership and creating content and research in this space. Exciting days indeed. Thanks a lot, Prof Gupta. That was Prof Ritika Gupta, Deputy Dean of ESSEC Business School, APEC. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. You can also tune in to an extended version of this conversation on audio, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.